The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. from Washington, D.C. every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. for an hour-long Generation Progress takeover. Check us out at genprogress.org or on Twitter at genprogress. Hello and welcome to the Generation Progress takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Uh, I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Um, And today we are going to be examining yet another example of how COVID-19 has exacerbated an existing issue in this country. Uh, In this case, we're going to be talking about the student debt crisis. Generation Progress has been doing advocacy work in the student debt space for much of our existence, and it's an issue that we feel pretty strongly about. Uh, The collective student loan debt owed by Americans today totals over $1.6 trillion. That's trillion with a T. uh, And around one third of people under the age of 35 currently have a student loan. The cost of attending college has risen dramatically in recent decades, but these advanced degrees are still considered a prerequisite for most middle-class jobs. That precarious situation combined with the rise of predatory and for-profit institutions that exploit students' desire for higher education has resulted in many students and borrowers battling a climbing debt well battling climbing debt well into their careers. And now with many people in this country out of work or losing income as a result of this pandemic, the student debt crisis is getting much, much worse, especially for people already fighting against gender and racial wealth gaps. To learn more about what needs to be done now to protect and provide relief to student loan borrowers, particularly those most impacted by COVID-19, we're joined by Ashley Harrington. She is the Senior Policy Counsel at the Center for Responsible Lending, and Cody Hunanian, Program Director at Student Debt Crisis. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us. It's really great to, great to talk to some familiar voices on this week's show. Appreciate y'all joining us uh, remotely as everybody, um, as all of, all of us are now working remotely. So Ashley, to start, can you share a little bit more with us about the mission of the Center for Responsible Lending and how you came to this work? Absolutely. So the Center for Responsible Lending is a research and advocacy org that is really focused on uh, racial and economic justice. And so we do that through the lens of fighting predatory lending and creating opportunities for people of color to build wealth, people of color in low-income communities to build wealth. Um, And so we come at it from that angle. Uh, We started in the work of mortgage access, trying to curb predatory payday lending, et cetera, and then as, as the student debt crisis worsened, we realized that it was having a disproportionate impact on the communities that we were so worried about, communities of color and low-income folks, right? And it was hindering their ability to build wealth. So this idea that you go to college to build financial security actually wasn't happening for these whole segments of people. And so that's how we came to this work. Something had to be done. There's something wrong with the way we are doing higher ed and student, student debt in this country. And so um, that's, how, that's, that's where we are, and that's the lens we take. 
Great. Thanks so much, Ashley. And um, thanks so much to the work that CRL has done and for being such a great partner um, with Generation Progress's higher ed net debt campaign over the years. Um, and Cody, uh, what does your role as program director at Student Debt Crisis entail? Um, and how did Student Debt Crisis, the organization, come about? Aptly named, by the way. You know, it's like set, says what it does. Yeah. Uh, first off, thank you, Charlotte and Brent, uh, for having me on today. Uh, you know, I have to thank my predecessors at Student Debt Crisis for taking this issue as seriously as it is, which is a crisis. Uh, so you're right. We do not shy away from calling uh, student debt, uh, you know, one of the biggest generational problems uh, of our time. You know, at Student Debt Crisis, I'm the program director, so I have the privilege of both helping coordinate our advocacy work. Uh, we have over a million supporters across the country, and uh, we get to help give them voice. And I also get to work along other advocates like uh, you all at Generation Progress and the folks at Center for Responsible Lending. Um, you know, together we've created a really broad movement that we hope uh, can create some significant reforms that completely change the way we pay for higher education in this country. Uh, as far as me personally, I came to student debt crisis as a student loan borrower, and I currently am still a student loan borrower. Uh, another part of my job uh, that I find really rewarding is being able to connect directly with other student loan borrowers. Uh, you know, we have a story bank of a couple of thousand student debt stories. We get to talk directly to student loan borrowers more than any other group, I think. Um, and that gives us a really unique perspective, not only into the work that we're doing, but it also helps reward uh, us and, you know, frankly, makes our team feel um, better about our own student debt situation. We tend to call it borrowers helping borrowers, and I'm really honored to get to work with uh, student loan borrowers directly. Yeah, thanks so much, Cody, and we absolutely love working with y'all, too. You guys do so much great work with direct services and everything, and I love how you manage to tie direct service to uh, to policy work as well and really work on those kinds of things hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, so, Cody, student debt in this country has been a crisis, as you said, for some time now. Um, before we dive into how things have changed over the last couple of months with uh, this pandemic. Can you provide a quick overview of where we currently stand in the crisis and how it's worsened over the past years and decades? Yeah. I mean, Charlotte, you nailed it at the top of this segment. There's a student debt crisis that's reaching $1.7 trillion. When I started working on this issue, uh, you know, a little over five years ago, we had just hit $1 trillion. So this crisis is growing at such a rate that it's truly alarming. And I'm happy to see that other organizations like the Center for Responsible Lending and other partners that we work with have identified this issue as a major concern. It's not just student loan borrowers that are, you know, screaming. It's also other advocates, other stakeholders. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we see that this crisis is impacting vulnerable communities more than ever. And so we're seeing a lot of new research that tries to get to the nitty gritty data and we've identified that black and brown student loan borrowers are particularly harmed by the student loan system. And surprisingly, we know that older Americans are the fastest group of student loan borrowers. So when we talk about the student debt crisis in 2020, we're really talking about a problem that impacts everyone in our, in our society. And then you add to it the new crisis, the COVID-19 crisis, which has added an additional burden so when we talk to student loan borrowers and we know that they've got less than $1,000 in their savings account, uh, we know that this crisis is creating an even more difficult situation for them uh, right now and going into the next months and years ahead. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, go ahead, Brent. I was going to say, so Cody had mentioned very briefly just how um, we know that certain communities, while it's impacting nearly everyone, certain communities are being impacted more than others, specifically um, black and brown student loan borrowers. And that, that resonates with something that Ashley said right at the top of the show about how um, some folks are going to college and this was supposed to be sort of the pathway to the middle class and the pathway towards economic advancement. And that just wasn't you know, that that isn't the reality for a lot of folks who find themselves mired in debt after after striving for this higher education that was supposed to provide that pathway. Ashley, I don't know if you want to just elaborate on that point uh, a little bit here about the ways in which the student debt crisis have disproportionately impacted the uh, black and brown student loan borrowers. Absolutely. And I think you both are, everyone's right. Everyone's really touching on a lot of it. This is really a civil rights racial justice issue, and it's important to frame it as such. Um, the student debt crisis isn't happening in a vacuum, right? And so I think there's the student debt crisis, there's the Black student debt crisis, there's the Latino student debt crisis. And why we particularly talk about those, especially the Black student debt crisis, is it is piggybacking off of centuries of inequitable, of ine of inequitable systems, centuries of structural racism that has really put people of color at a disadvantage, right? So when so when we get to the student debt crisis, we have to remember that black students are more likely to borrow because their parents were never able to build wealth, right? We were unable to access things like GI Bill benefits. We were unable to access things like, um, there were, you know, there was redlining, there was all those pieces. So we are unable to access home ownership the way other groups were. And so when it was time to continue, when college opened up to more folks, and it was time for um, to figure out how to pay for it, whereas other folks could tap into their wealth sources like home equity or other assets. Black folks didn't have that. So they had to rely on loans, especially as it became an imperative that you had to go to college, right? It wasn't really a choice. And so when people talk about it like you chose to take on this debt, it implies that you actually had an option, right? And so we have to remind people that the jobs of today are requiring some form of post-secondary education, and that in turn is requiring folks to take out debt. So black students are more likely to borrow, to borrow more, and to take longer to pay it back. You know, the most troubling stat I heard is that, that I, the most troubling stat for me is that black students who are black college graduates are more likely to default than white college dropouts. And there is so much reason behind that. And I, and, but again, 2008, the Great Recession also hit communities of color worse, also hit commu black communities harder. But again, that's because it was building off of 400 years of inequities. So right. it's like, so I just always remind folks, and I think um, everyone in this call is, is doing the same and is part of that work um, that we need to center those groups, um, center these communities in this effort um, and in this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk a bit more about COVID-19 and the related economic crisis and how that is now overlapping with the student debt crisis and again, disproportionately impacting communities of color. So we'll be right back with the Generation Progress takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Hello and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I'm your co-host, Brent J. Cohen. And I'm Charlotte Hancock. And we are talking today about the uh, interconnectedness of the COVID-19 uh, ensuing economic recession or financial crisis that we're, that we're now facing as a country and specifically the impact on student loan borrowers. We have a student 
uh, loan debt crisis in this country, $1.7 trillion, as we've talked about on the top half of the show. And we know that this financial crisis uh, is impacting that even further. And so we are joined by Ashley Harrington, Senior Policy Counsel at the Center for Responsible Lending, and Cody Hunanian, Program Director at Student Debt Crisis. Ashley, I want to turn back to you for a moment. And, and if you could just briefly shed some light on how student loan borrowers have been um, ha- impacted by this pandemic and how the student debt crisis sort of overall has been impacted by this pandemic? Absolutely. So I think, you know, leading up to the crisis, this leading up to the pandemic, we were already in a crisis, right? We talked about the level of debt, but also that people were really struggling with that debt, struggling to pay it back. Balances weren't going down. Um, A lot of folks were in default, um, especially people of color due to the things we just talked about. So we came into this with, you know, so many folks in default or delinquent already. And now we're in a situation where, we're having massive unemployment at levels we haven't seen in a long time. So the folks who are delinquent who are struggling before, that number is just going to grow exponentially, right? Because we're going to come out of this crisis and some of these jobs are never going to return. You know, there was a recent story today about all these workforces that are cutting, that are cutting jobs, and many of them will not come back. And so even now, the, the people we're talking about who are going to be struggling and the impact on the overall economy is just going to grow. So we were already in debt crisis. People were already struggling. And then you add on top of this this issue, right, um, that this is a if you still have to pay this debt because I don't know if we want to talk about the CARES relief yet or is that later? Not sure. Um, but folks are have, we're already having to make a decision. Do I pay something better? Do I make, do I pay something else? Right. And so that's only going to get worse as economic conditions worse and worsen. And, and, you know, there's all these options, unemployment insurance, these different things, but even those are only as good as the ability to access them. Right. Um, and if systems are slow or it's taking a long time to get those checks or you didn't even get, then you're still struggling. And this is something that is not going to just end when we get to leave our houses. Right. This is an economic impact that we don't even fully understand yet. I mean, and one of the one of the one of the stats that jumped out at me just this past week was around uh, the small businesses and loans to small businesses and the fact that 90 percent of small businesses that are owned and run by African-Americans and black small business owners did not get relief from the CARES Act under the uh, the PPP loan program. And I think it was 75% of, of Latino businesses. And so if you have a student loan debt and that education helped you develop and run and sort of launch your business, but you are now impacted by this pandemic and you're not able to get relief uh, through the, through the uh, CARES Act and other things that have been pushed out, that's, again, just one more example, sort of going back to where we were uh, in the last segment of how these things are compounding one another. Absolutely. So, yeah, we estimated that the vast majority, like a large majority of businesses of color were not going to have access to PPP just because of the way it was structured and the nature of uh, a lot of uh, black owned and brown owned businesses. So, but but it's even more complicated than that. Right, Brent? So it's going to affect people's ability if they can't get access and these businesses close down. That affects the community around them. But also there's been research that shows that student loan debt also stops people from starting businesses. So not only are businesses shutting down, student loan debt has already been stopping the growth of businesses, and that will get worse after this crisis if we don't do something about both. And so we, all of these problems are interconnected, and we have to make, make sure that 
access is available for everyone and that relief is getting to all people in all communities um, because small businesses are, are like such a big part of communities. They provide like 9 million, 9 million jobs a year, almost 1.4 trillion in, uh, in revenue every year. That's the same amount of student loan debt we have. We're close to it, right? Like when we're at 1.6. I think that's exactly right. And uh, Ashley, talking about people not being able to start their small businesses, it's also stopping people from, it's, it's a, uh, it's a big um, sort of, break. Um, it's this, it's a, it's a giant cycle when we're talking about people who are unable to start their small businesses, people who are unable to start their families, people who are unable to buy their first homes. And when you can't do those things, you cannot accumulate wealth. Right. So, uh, it's, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's pumping, it's pumping the brakes and just stopping people from getting started uh, before they before they even have the opportunity to. Um, so Cody, we have just about uh, a minute left here before we've got to go to break. But I know you talk to student loan borrowers um, on a on a pretty regular basis. So hearing some of the major problems that folks face, um, what would you say is one of the most frustrating to student loan borrowers about the misconceptions that people have about loan borrowers? That's such a great point, Charlotte. Uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that uh, we face as advocates is the fact that many people think student loan debt is for young people only. And Ashley brought up a great point. There's people who are losing their jobs, their businesses, but we've seen this before. We talked to older borrowers who came out of the Great Recession, losing a business, losing a job. And for them, re-education and skilling up was how they were going to fix that situation. And instead, they got crushed by a burden of student loan debt. And so I'm really fearful for people during this crisis that are going to be facing the same type of economic impacts when it comes to losing a business or losing a job. But the solution isn't so clear anymore. Thanks so much, Cody. We'll be right back with the Generation Progress Takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of The Leslie Marshall Show. Uh, today, we are joined by Ashley Harrington from the Center for Responsible Lending and Cody Hunanian from Student Debt Crisis. And we're talking about the student debt crisis, something that was already a problem, already a big deal, already causing and exacerbating um, all sorts of uh, wealth gaps um, between gender wealth gaps and racial wealth gaps. Uh, and we're seeing with this pandemic that those are just worsening. Uh, that being said, legislators have started talking about fixes uh, and implemented a couple of, I'm not gonna say uh, the, all, the, all the fixes we need because we're definitely not there yet but they've started uh, talking about and implementing some fixes for student loan borrowers. So Ashley, I wanna kick this question over to you. Um, how have student loan borrowers been addressed by previous stimulus bills during this national emergency? CARES 1 provided for the suspension of payments for people who had federally owned student loans, um, as well as a halt on involuntary collections for those same loans. And during that time period, uh, folks would still get credit towards any forgiveness they are working towards. So there's a, there's a bunch of problems with this. One, this is basically putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole, right? This is something that suspension of payments is not going to address the crisis and is not going to address the impact of student debt now or what's going to happen when we come out of our houses, right? It implies that, as soon, that just pausing payments implies that as soon as we... Uh, as soon as these national stay-at-home orders are lifted, 
will go back to normal. People will go back to be able to pay back. Um, they're calling for $20,000, a minimum $20,000. Um, and the other big piece of it is that these not a bunch of borrowers. Um, so there's, uh, you know, millions of borrowers who have federally backed loans, but not federally owned loans. So these are loans that are held, that are owned by guarantee agencies or institutions, um, and they're guaranteed by the department. And some folks may have both, right? You could have a, you could have a department-held loan or a, or a guarantee agency-held loan. Either what, uh, and so you'll be very confused as to which one of these you get relief on. So we're really worried about all of these borrowers, one, who weren't covered, and the confusion it causes if you have both types of loans or even figure out what type of loans. Yeah, you know, I think Ashley actually nailed it with one singular word, confusion. If you're listening to her describe the program that exists currently and who gets relief, it is word soup. And so we're hearing from student loan borrowers all the time who are unclear if their student loans qualify for this type of relief. So if you thought the system was broken prior to the COVID-19 crisis, this entire attempt to provide relief has just added to that confusion and also excluded 9 million people uh, with federal student loans who uh, Congress could include in this relief, but chooses not to. Yeah, you're exactly right, Cody. And that is a big chunk of borrowers. 9 million people didn't get helped. 9 million people who have federal student loans. And we're not even talking about the people who have private student loans yet, right? We're talking about uh, just the people who have federally held student loans. That's such a great point, Charlotte. Uh, there's tons of people who have private student loans, and there's a lot of people who have federal student loans from the Department of Education and also have private student loans from a, a banking institution. And so some are getting no relief at all, and others are only getting partial relief on their student loan debt. Um, I think as an advocate, what we have found optimistic or what is promising is that we don't have to wait for Congress and we don't have to wait for this administration to try to help those borrowers. You know, in states like New York, California, and uh, nearly a dozen other states, the state officials have worked directly with private student loan companies to try to create at least some sort of relief. So this is an all hands on deck uh, type of issue and other folks in uh, leadership positions can help bridge the gap that's created by the CARES Act. You know, I think one of the one of the things that's interesting about this is the the current legislation that was passed, the current CARES Act, essentially puts the payment moratorium, as Ashley was talking about, until September 30th, um, which is a in total six months um, from when it was passed. But if we're being honest and realistic about what the economic situation is, we know that we are not going to be back to quote unquote normal as an economy by um, September 30th. And so folks who have lost jobs, businesses that may close, um, there's going to be a, a really economic indicators that tell us when we are really on recovery. And there's, in many respects, September 30th is sort of just an arbitrary date that went out there because six is a nice round number. It's half of 12 and 12 makes up a year. Uh, and so I think it's great that there was some, uh, you know, some uh, uh, relief that was provided through the CARES Act. But as we've talked about, it's just wholly insufficient for the scope of the problem that we were facing before the pandemic, and certainly now that we are in the middle of this economic crisis. And so, you know, sort of with that in mind, Cody, what do you think of some of the the more ambitious plans that have already been proposed? Um, for instance, the plan that Senators uh, Schumer, Warren, Brown, and and Murray that would guarantee up uh, at least ten thousand in, in in debt cancellation to student loan borrowers, or some of the other 
um, similarly more ambitious uh, plans that have been um, floated out there. Yeah, uh, thanks, Brent. You know, I'm lucky. I don't have to just speak on behalf of what Cody thinks. We have over a million supporters that support our efforts currently that say they support canceling student loan debt to help stimulate the economy during this crisis and also to provide relief for everyday Americans. So I echo our supporters in saying that we need much more relief. And also we need this relief to be a part of any future stimulus uh, package that's being created. And there are multiple opportunities coming in the near future. So we as an organization, we echo their voices. We support student debt cancellation plans, both in the Senate and also in the House. Um, but we don't go as far as putting a specific number on it. We want legislators to think big and to go as big as possible when they think about this relief. But we also know that there's plenty of research that shows that even a partial student debt relief proposal will help the, the borrowers in most distress, help lower income borrowers and uh, students of color as well. So uh, we're supporting all of the above when it comes to permanent reduction in people's student loan debt totals. That makes yeah, sense. Because uh, even just canceling uh, $10,000 in student loan debt, that gets us a huge chunk of the people who um, are really struggling, right? That's a, a huge chunk of people who are in default, people who we have, there are so many student loan borrowers. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's not always people with the highest balances that are struggling with their student loan debt, right? Sometimes we've got people who with um, fairly... Uh, you know, com comparably, comparatively low balances that have a hard time paying down their student loans and might be struggling the most. Can you talk a little bit more about that sort of problem? Yeah, I think Ashley touched on it earlier, but you're absolutely right, Charlotte. Not only do student loan borrowers with lower balances default more than student loan borrowers with higher balances, they also face a domino effect of consequences because we know that borrowers with lower balances often don't complete their program or are often victims of for-profit colleges. And that sets up a whole set of scenarios uh, in which um, their financial wellness is impacted. Uh, so you're spot on. Borrowers with lower student loan balances are hurting the most and also can benefit the most from this type of student debt cancellation proposal that's in both the House and the Senate right now. Right. Because student loan debt, it's obviously not fun for anybody. But if you're a doctor or if you're a lawyer, you know, if you're somebody often who has uh, triple digit or sorry, uh, six digit student loan debt, uh, there is a there is a statistical chance that you're going to have a job that is commensurate with that with that student loan debt that allows you to be able to pay it down. Right. So when we when we come back from this break, let's talk a bit more about what we'd like to see in the next uh, stimulus package and CARES packages. We respond as a country to this epidemic and the pandemic and what we can be doing specifically for student loan borrowers. Hello and welcome back to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. I am your co-host, Charlotte Hancock. And I'm Brent J. Cohen. Uh, and today we are joined by Ashley Harrington from the Center for Responsible Lending, as well as Cody Hunanian uh, from Student Debt Crisis. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us to talk more about what needs to be done now 
to protect and provide relief to student loan borrowers, particularly those most impacted uh, or in situations exacerbated by the COVID-19 crisis. Um, so we want to make sure that uh, we want to talk a little bit more about what some longer term solutions to this crisis might be. Um, Ashley, I want to I want to kick it over to you. What would you like to see be done in the longer term to solve the student debt crisis? Other than 20K of cancellation? <laughs> I mean, that would be a great start. Yeah, that's a great start. Um, so we also advocate. Um, so we actually... Uh, did a report called Quicksand with a number of civil rights groups, NAACP, Urban League, Leadership Conference, and Unidos US, where we called for not just cancellation, but also a reform of income-based repayment. So right now, income-based repayment, the best plan is 10% of your discretionary income of 150% of the poverty line, and you and it's 20 years, right? For us, that's a mortgage. If you're if you have a 20 or 25 year repayment plan on a student loan, like that, you're, how are you ever able to build your life and do all the things that Charlotte was mentioning earlier? So we're calling for a new income based repayment plan that bases payments off of 8% of your discretionary income, which is and it should be 8% of your discretionary income above 250% of the poverty line, because those of us who know what is what counts for the poverty line these days is you know, just way too low for what actually kind of makes it hard, a hard living um, in today's world. Um, and also for a 15 year term. So at the end of the 15 years, your balance is forgiven and you go on with your life and, you, and you're able to contribute to society and the economy in other ways. Um, we think that's a much better way to do it. Um, it, makes it, it makes it actually uh, affordable for people to repay, and it ensures that um, they're not in their payments for forever and that we don't have a situation where people are literally paying for decades. That's exactly right, Ashley. I mean, uh, when you're when you're talking about repaying your student loans for 25 years, like you said, that is a mortgage. And I think at the end of a mortgage, you end up with something tangible that you own. You like you look at your house, you look at your apartment and you say, this is mine. At the end of 25 years of payments with your student loan debt, it, you kind of wonder, I mean, where <laughs> where you've gotten here, right? Um, so I think I think that's uh, I think that's a really interesting and cool idea. And I don't think that we should underestimate the mental strain of repaying your student loans for that that amount of time. I don't think that we should underestimate how much it it sort of takes a tax um, on you to to feel like you're paying something that is just interminable um, and to to wonder what happens um, at the end of that process or if it'll even make a difference. Um, you know, right. Charlotte, so, sorry, just to, like on that point, right, we know that there are so many student loan borrowers who actually see their their balance go up rather than going down, even if they're making payments consistently every single month. Um, and, and you talk about the mental strain of just watching that balance go up rather than down, even though you're paying. Um, yeah, it's the such money a, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those borrowers and I know so many folks who are like that. So it definitely is stressful. And I'm, and you know, I don't even have nearly the worst situation. Um, but I don't even like to look at my, you know, student loan statement. I'm just like, put it on auto debit. Like, let me not think about it. Cause if you look at it, you're, the enormity of this debt is a lot. And the mental strain is also for most people, this is their first major type of debt, right? Like if you're most folks, their most, their first major type of debt is a house. So you can live in it, you know, it builds equity, 
The same is not the case for the, this, this new generation who is taking out their first big debt for higher ed, and then it's not paying off. It's not building equity. And then you, so um, I think you're right. We can't quantify. Right. You can't, you yep. can't sell your diploma at the end of paying it down for 25 years and buy a bigger diploma. <laughs> and, you know, I'm glad Ashley brought up the repayment programs. We at Sin Debt Crisis, we strongly, strongly support strengthening and improving the programs right now while we fight for bigger reform. And I think it's even more important now. We are talking to a lot of borrowers that this six-month suspension of payments isn't enough. And our advice to them is to engage, to enroll in one of these income-driven repayment plans while they can so that they get at least 12 months of affordable payments. But the big problem is there's such huge cracks and failures in the program process. So we've actually had to team up with a tech startup called Savvy to create a tool to enroll borrowers into these programs so they can lower their payments for the next six months and beyond that. So more people than ever are going to be taking advantage of these programs, and it's imperative that we make sure that they're accessible and that they work for the best outcomes for student loan borrowers. You know, one one thing that I just want to add on to hearing this conversation and the the policy proposals coming from Cody and Ashley, which I think are just so incredibly important, and the steps that student loan borrowers can take right now. But thinking about the future, um, both in terms of this pandemic and the economic crisis, as well as student loan debt in general, we also need college affordability plans, right? We need to address the student debt crisis for those who have it today. And we know that there are uh, tens of millions of folks who have it today. And we also need to sort of cut off the spigot here so that we don't have the next generation of college students coming out with the same level of debt that many of us have dealt with. And so... As we think about what that looks like, it's absolutely addressing today's debt crisis. It's it's also meaning that we're looking for college affordability plans so that folks are not dealing with this again. And in regards to the COVID-19 pandemic, it also means making sure that the federal government is providing sufficient funding to states so that they can fund higher education as well as we know states are going to be looking to cut higher ed. And that burden is once again going to fall on students. So certainly a lot to do here. Um, Charlotte, as we as we look at uh, wrapping up, just uh, your your sort of thoughts as we as we come down. Oh, I mean, I feel like this is this is one of my favorite types of shows is the student the, uh, a show where we get to talk about the student debt crisis. Um, so I I mean, I really think it's so important that. Uh, Congress expand the ways that they're planning to to help student loan borrowers and do it in a way that is tangible, in a way that is widespread, that affects uh, you know everybody who needs help, and particularly targets those who who need the most help. Um, so I really think that I think that um, some of the stuff that Cody was mentioning uh, previously about the student loan plans that folks can be asked the student debt relief plans that folks can be asking their members of Congress for, uh, that we really should keep pushing for those. I think, um, I guess Cody and Ashley, I'm interested in, in this from both of you. And we're going to, let's start with you, Cody. Um, if people could call their reps right now and ask for one thing for student loan borrowers, um, in this next stimulus package, what do you think you would uh, have them ask for? You know, we're already telling student loan borrowers to call Congress, to sign petitions and to send letters. And they're asking members of Congress to cancel student debt to stimulate the economy and help everyday Americans during this crisis. I truly believe that we're close to getting a win like that. And to me, now is the time to meet the moment and go big or go home. So we got to ask for big relief. 
And if we have to settle for smaller uh, fixes, then we'll do that. But right now is the time to really ask for something that can meet this monumental moment. Shoot for the moon and maybe we land in the stars. And Ashley, what about you? Yeah, and as I mentioned, over a million people have already taken action on this topic. So there's no point in turning back now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd agree with that. We're urging folks to call Congress and tell them to cancel a minimum of 20K in student debt per borrower and have it apply to all federal borrowers and also provide relief for private student loan borrowers. And um, and just and, and contact your congressperson in any way you can, um, be it calling, be it a letter. We're having, you know, a Twitter storm on Friday. We'd love you to participate in that. But there's, there's petitions. They, uh, uh, Cody mentioned his petition. We're also doing a petition with Color of Change. So put your voice out there and let's not settle for anything. Let's make let's be as loud as possible and demand this. And you're right. This is this is the time because we are this is a breaking point. Right. And this is a turning point for this economy and for this country and how we deal with this um, will matter for generations. So thanks so much, Ashley. Be loud. Appreciate it. And that was Ashley Harrington from the Center for Responsible Lending, as well as Cody Hunanian from Student Debt Cri- from student debt, student debt Crisis. You can find them at studentdebtcrisis.org. Um, you have been listening to the Generation Progress Takeover of the Leslie Marshall Show. Thanks so much to my co-host, Brent Cohen, our producer, Mark Grimaldi, and our press, senior press associate, Emily Leach. We'll talk to you all next week.